Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy preaches a sermon out of Ephesians chapter 4 titled, Overcoming Anger. What does it mean to be angry and do not sin? For many of us, anger has been portrayed as a negative emotion that should be avoided or worse, used as a weapon. Like any emotion, anger is a result of events or circumstances. This emotion, when rooted in love, can drive us to protect people, fix problems, or destroy evil. When used as part of an agenda, anger will tear down, wound, and cause pain. You can stand up for yourself and others in love and mercy. Focus on the issue at hand instead of the person in the situation. Ask God to bring peace into conflicts and let His kindness and compassion be at the center of conflicts. Choose to bring the love of God into the hardest places in your life so that He can bring transformation and healing. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Uh, we have, uh, every single week, uh, we talk about who we are and what we believe, and that is, uh, our, we're a community led by a vision. And so uh, this comes, um, we, so we talk about this, and then we choose this every single week together. So number one, there is always hope beyond our brokenness, always. Um, and uh, you're going to hear about the hot mess of my life today, and I'm... I'm uh, participant number one in this truth, uh, that there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Second, we're called to trust in our risen Savior, and Jesus is alive and he's here. Amen? Amen. And his goodness is running after us. He's, he's always working, plotting, scheming to bless us. And so our trust in him is for good reason. And then finally, we get to bring restoration, and we do that in so many different ways as a church. You hear a little bit about that today as we, as, uh, we talk about what's been going on in our furniture ministry, but um, we are, you guys are literally changing people's lives from change to a dollar to our work with the youth. Uh, it, the list goes on and on. And so we're called right where we are to make a difference right where we are. And, um, you know, Ben, do you have a seminary degree? No, right? How old are you? 20. 20. Okay, so if a 20-year-old can raise his hand for change for a dollar, so can you, right? Ben, you've been coming to the church 15 years, right? No, about four months, yeah? There you go, okay? And look, he's already serving in the tech booth. Way to go, Ben. Yeah. So each one of these truths has a choice that we make as we, faith is a choice. It's the gas in the tank, that's and it's us going down the road. It's putting our, what we believe into action. And so we choose this every week. And so let's make a choice together and declare this together. Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. So each week, uh, in preparing a sermon... I ask, uh, well, God takes me through the sermon, and then I ask to speak, uh, I ask, I ask to, for permission to speak to your heart of hearts. And so uh, today's passage is about anger. Um, so, yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun week. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm going to preach this. So next week, we're going to take a break, uh, and we're going to do Christmas. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, which is going to be so much fun. Uh, but after the new year, uh, we'll start, start back up again in Ephesians, and I'm literally going to preach the same passage again, 
but include all the things that I didn't get to in this passage, uh, in this morning. There's so much here, and it's beautiful, and it's life-changing. And so, can I have permission to speak your heart of hearts today? Can I have permission to, to speak to you about a subject that's hard, about when we get angry with each other, or about when we get angry with ourselves, about when we get angry with God? Mark Twain wrote that anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. We're going to hear a couple of quotes about anger today, and I want you to know that when these authors are talking about anger in this way, it is different than the biblical understanding of anger, which I'm going to explain in a moment. Frederick Buchner, the great author and theologian, wrote this, that anger is a feast, and as you eat, you realize you are the meal. So Twain and Buchner are making the same point that living with anger, anger stacked up on anger, anger stacked up on anger, that will burn and consume you. And anger feels dangerous because it's one letter away from the word danger, right? Anger can be harmful and dangerous, but the way that God designed anger is different than you think. Anger was created by God to move us to protect. In God's design, anger is dangerous and harmful to evil. Right? Jesus gets angry, makes a whip, flips over tables. Anger is not, anger is like God created anger for a reason. This be the reason. Anger is basically the energy behind us saying, stop that. I don't like that. We see evil, we see harm, we see hurt, we say, stop that, I don't like that. But rarely do we learn how to use anger well. We make the person the problem rather than the problem the problem. And then anger hurts others. Anger's design is to protect us from evil, to do harm to evil, not to us. But when anger becomes that hot coal that we grasp to throw on another person, then everyone just gets burned. And Paul's going to help us today to understand how to use anger as God intended. Can you see why I'm going to preach on this passage for two weeks? Because none of us know how to do this well. I shouldn't say none. Few of us know how to do this well. So one thing before I speak today. So I'm going to talk about my anger and April's anger. And I, I want you to know I'm not trying to out us or her or embarrass anybody. April's spoken about this to 100 women at a women's dinner before. So... Um, I just want to let you know, uh, I have April's permission to talk about this. So, can we pray? Okay. So, Jesus, we bind up in silence everything opposed to Christ that's attacking me or us and that's in this room now by the blood of Jesus. Leave and go to Jesus to be judged. Not today, devil. Amen. Amen. And Father, we ask for your spirit to fill us, your presence to be here. And God, we give you permission to speak to the part of our heart that is hurting that's been angry, that, no, that we don't feel like anybody sees our wounds, we don't feel like anything is going to change, and we've just been holding this anger for so long. And so God, speak to us and deliver us and free us today. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So are you ready? Yes. Paul's speaking to the church, and he writes this, therefore, you read this with me. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. 
for we are all members of one body. So right off the bat, let me tell you this, that the verses that we're reading today are all connected with one another. This is not like Paul going, oh, and this, and this, and this, and just throwing a bunch of random thoughts into a bucket, and this is Ephesians chapter 4. Every single verse is connected. I'm going to show you how. Um, so here's the first thought, first thought. Number one, put off falsehood. So stop lying. That's number one. Speak truthfully to, to each other. Why? Well, because we're all connected. And so if I avoid conflict or if I lie to you, or if I lie to you, that's bad. That's just going to hurt you. But also, part of falsehood is just pretending that everything's fine when it's not. Does that make sense? And if you're in a relationship, whether you're married or with your kids or at school or in your work, and no one talks about the harmful things that are going on, then evil is allowed and hurt and harm is allowed to grow and fester. Does that make sense? Now, Paul's not asking me to confront everybody at every moment all the time. Okay? You are not required to manage another person's sin. Please stop that. No. Mm -mm. You got enough problems of your own. Can we just say that? Great. What is Paul saying? Live with your eyes wide open. Don't just pretend that everything's okay clearly when it's not. Now, April and I have been in a counseling process the last two years dealing with a whole lot of pain that never got healed. Why? Because we made the conscious choice to cover up all of our hurts like a cat in a kitty litter box. <laughs> we made the conscious choice to perform and, and, and to pretend to be perfect for you all and for ourselves. Nothing's wrong here. Everything's fine. No smell. It smells like Febreze. It's all good. Right? Don't mind with the clumps, right? Somebody will take that out later. Can I say that 25 years of not cleaning out the emotional litter box in your life is a terrible strategy? It's awful. It don't work. It stinks. Living with that amount of falsehood covered up and never talking about what is wrong is not a way to live. Paul says, put off that and speak the truth. You don't have to speak the truth the way that your spouse speaks the truth. Again, stop managing each other. Speak the truth. Now, what is Paul doing? With one verse, he's normalizing having conversations about when we're hurt or when things need to change for the better in your family or at work. Silence is commanded by fear when bad behavior happens. Why? Because the enemy of your soul hates it when you speak the truth. Why? Because in the light of truth, evil dies. Ain't nobody puts up with it. Amen? Paul is saying, confront the fear of talking, kick it in the teeth, talk about what's off, what's hurtful, what needs to change so that life can thrive in your home. The damage that comes from silence is greater than the damage that comes from the hurtful event. Always. In the silence, the pain turns into a decade-eating monster. Speak the truth. 
Now, if you're like me, maybe you've lived in a home or in a marriage or in an emotional system or you grew up in a family in which you've been harassed in the silence. You've tried to talk and been shut down. Maybe you've lost your voice. Maybe you've just never practiced speaking the truth. Do you want your voice back? Eleven people said yes. Do you want your voice back? Paul says, speak the truth. So that means you've got to take your voice back. So you want to take it back? Great. Pray with me. Ready? Let's do some work. I reject the command and strategy of silence in the name of Jesus. Get your mojo on. Are you ready? Come on. Shoulders back. Sit up. Let's do some work. Are you ready? Start again. I reject the command and strategy of silence in the name of Jesus. I command the fear of speaking the truth to leave me and go to Jesus to be judged right now. Woo! Jesus, I take my voice back to speak the truth in love when something is off, hurtful, and needs to change. And I trust you and you alone, Jesus, to make things right. And I surrender how and when that will happen into your capable hands. Let's repeat that last line again. And I trust you and you alone, Jesus, to make things right. And I surrender how and when that will happen into your capable hands. So when we get hurt and when we see someone we love get hurt or something we love is being damaged, we speak. And how do we feel when we speak? We feel angry. This anger is from God. Anger is there to move us to protect people, to protect irreplaceable things, valuable people, valuable things that we've built that are good. And it's designed to destroy the evil that is harming those precious ones and things that are good in our life. So Paul says, in your anger then, do not sin. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And what is Paul saying? (laughs) Be angry. That's the first thing. Like, be angry. It's okay to be angry. If you see injustice, be angry. If you see abuse, be angry. If you see something wrong, it's okay to be angry. Be angry because you love others. Do you know how we got involved in this whole thing? Furnishing people that have no furniture business. So it was a year ago. We are in a prayer retreat. An amazing guy in the prayer retreat says, hey, look, can you all pray for me? My 16-year-old son is coming, and I don't have a place for us. And I'm like, oh, well, can we get you like a hotel? Like, I'm just thinking like he's, or this guy's renting a room. And, and he goes, no, 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 like we literally don't have a place to live. Like my son is coming here to live, and we don't have a place to live. And Debbie, our minister of Razzle Dazzle, she got mad. Why? Because she loves. She saw it's not okay. It's not okay. We've got to do, we can do better. Here's this amazing guy praying through all these things, and he just doesn't have a place to stay with his son. We can fix that. And so somebody from the church co-signed for an apartment. I talked to the property manager that goes to our church, Rob. He manages 900 properties, been involved with churches on the Central Coast for 30 years. Not a single church in 30 years 
has ever, a person has ever stepped out to co-sign for someone in their own church. We're the first. Then, great, we have an apartment. Now we don't have any furniture. So Debbie gets a little bit mad. Come on, y'all, we can do better. Like a fire in her belly. Like, no, we're not going to let this, this amazing dad and son sleep on the floor. And all of a sudden, you all donated furniture. And then we furnished this entire apartment. And then four other families were like, well, I'm going to about to be homeless in a week. And I don't have... In-. And then it's like, okay. For- and then all of a sudden, we're making sure families don't have... Uh, uh, they have a home and they have a place and they have furniture and they have the things that they need. And last Christmas season, we made Christmas happen for 40 families in our church. And then all of a sudden, the guy, Ken's like, well, I remodel, you know, hotels and they just throw the stuff out. Can we just give furniture away? Over 30 families this year who've had absolutely no furniture. They've graduated programs. They've come out of shelters. Now they have furniture. Why did all this happen? Literally life-changing, miraculous things. Why did all this happen? Because Debbie got angry. (laughs) Out of love. Out of love. Right? Out of love. It's okay to be angry when you see something wrong, and out of love, then it moves you to protect, to provide, to make a difference in someone's life. Because the anger then immediately fades, and all of a sudden now it's just love and passion. But that anger is there to begin with. Now, if that anger remains the entire time that you're trying to make things change, you know what that's called? That's called an agenda. Right? You'll see all these political movements today, and the anger is always there. That's how you know it's not filled with God's presence. The civil rights movement happened. It was anger over this injustice, and then it was a movement fueled by love. It's love that continued and carried it through. So then Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. So how do we not sin while we're angry? Okay? Well, first of all, you need to know how you are sinning when you're angry. And the first thing that we do is that we make the person the problem rather than the problem the problem. Does that make sense? And we use our anger to make the person pay, not the problem pay. So let me zoom out for a moment and just remind you of a a really important biblical truth and understand some of our emotions here just for, I'm going to define two umbrella terms in the Bible. First, let's define hate and then love, okay? Hate is the choice to make another pay. Love is the choice to pay for another. Those are umbrella terms in the Bible, right? So when I love, I can pay with my energy. That's called faithfulness and service. If, I'm, if I pay with my energy, to, with my words, that's called encouragement. I put out the effort to bless you. If I pay for you with my emotion, that's called empathy and compassion. If I pay with my money to help you, that's called generosity. Do you understand? It's all love. And it's all of us gladly paying for another person to bless them. I'll bear the cost. You get the benefit. Picking up what I'm putting down? Okay. When I hate, I make your reputation pay with my slander and gossip. Does that make sense? Right? When I hate, I make your body pay with my violence. When I hate, I make your heart pay with my sarcasm. 
or with my withdrawal of love. When I hate, I make your spirit pay when I refuse to give you what you need. Now stay with me. Here's the point. Anger isn't hate. You don't have to make someone pay with your anger. Debbie got angry because she loved this amazing guy at the prayer retreat. She didn't make him pay. We all paid so that that family and 30 other families after him could be blessed. Does that make sense? Now, I never knew that anger isn't hate growing up in my own home, right? When I was four years old, I was getting in between my mom and dad and they're screaming fights. And one time when I was five or four and a half years old, they're screaming fights. So I was getting between them. And this time, my dad's stabbing my mom with a kitchen knife and there's blood and screaming and trauma and police, right? And at that moment, when I was four and a half years old, I vowed right then and there, I'm never gonna get angry again, okay? So then my mom married a guy who never got angry, a good Midwestern man named Wally, knew how to fix everything, right? Well, then, of course, Wally's never angry, and then my mom is always angry, and then I looked at my mom, and I went, oh, gosh, I never want to be angry like her, right? And then I married April, and she grew up in an emotional system where only one person got to be angry in the household at the time, and so what happened in our marriage? I'm never angry, which means April is always angry. <laughs> so 23 years in a marriage, I was never angry. I shouldn't say that. I was angry all the time. I just could never express it. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay? So in all my homes, in all of my life, in every home that I've ever lived with, anger has always been a tool to make another person pay. So how do I avoid, how do you avoid the pain I've lived with? Paul speaks it plainly. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So how do you, how do you cut off those footholds, those little holds that the devil has in your life on you? How do you prevent that, the devil from taking a hold? It means you simply talk about being angry. And how do you do that? This is, blew my mind when I learned this. Are you ready? Here's how you be angry and not sin. Hey, I didn't like that that happened right there. That made me angry. I'm going to do it again. It's magical. Are you ready? Here it is. Hey, I didn't like the words or tone that you're using. That really hurt, and that made me angry. Isn't it wild? I'll give you another example. Are you ready? Hey, you said that you would do this. This happened to me. This morning, right? Hey, you said that you would do this, Andy. You didn't do it, um, and I'm feeling angry. Oh. It's so simple. It's so amazing that when you're angry, you could actually just say it, and then the anger will pass. I always forget that my emotions are an exhaust system, and when I speak them, they pass. Now, if you don't speak your anger and you hold it and you hold it and you hold it and you just deny it and deny it and it's not there and you push it way, way down, it's just going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And then what happens when it comes out? And all of a sudden, you're yelling and you don't know why you're yelling. Right? How come there's not enough butter for my toast? 
You're ripping the toaster out of the wall, right? When you make someone pay for your anger, everyone gets burned, right? So dealing with your anger when it arises, talking about it right away, it prevents the enemy from getting a foothold into your life. And the enemy wants you to hold on to your anger. Why? Because then the enemy can introduce bitterness and resentment. And if the, anger, the enemy can introduce bitterness and resentment and get you stewing on that for years, then all of a sudden there's disgust and contempt, and that's when marriages fail. Those are lies that are almost impossible to overcome. But that's the reality when you don't talk about your anger. So you don't give the enemy a foothold. You don't just let evil into your door at home. How? You talk about what, how you feel when you're angry. You don't have to yell, and you don't have to scream, and you don't have to make that person pay. You can just say it. You take away the enemy's power when you speak. You just say, hey, when this happened today, and you don't have to do it right away. Maybe it's at the end of the day. Maybe you just be like, hey, can I talk to you tomorrow about this? I'm like struggling. But then when you feel cool and you're not going to make that other person pay, then you can talk about it. Now, you might not like this. You might push back. You might not want to admit that you're ever angry. You might say, Dude, Andy, what's the benefit of like bringing all this up, right? Happy wife, happy life, blah, 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 <laughs> right? Right? Just pick your battles. You don't have to do all this work. Just let it aside. Just let go, man. I mean, just don't worry. Living in a happy home is more important than all this. Hogwatch! Wrong! It's a lie from the pit of hell. Why? Paul's going to explain why next. And it's going to feel that Paul's just changing the subject, but he's not, and I'm going to show you how. Are you ready? Stay with me. Here it is. Verse 28, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So when you use your anger to make another person pay, you're stealing from them. What are you taking from them? You're taking their innocence. You're taking their dignity. You're taking their energy. You're taking their time. And so stop stealing from your family with your anger. Stop stealing your husband's heart. Stop stealing your wife's worth. Stop stealing your children's security. Do something useful that will build. Teach your children and your grandchildren about how to talk your anger without making another person pay. Why? Because the purpose of our lives is to build something beautiful and share out of that abundance, not to rip and tear and destroy. Amen? Amen. Louis L'Amour, the great novelist who wrote a bunch of Western novels and got, a lot of them got turned into Clint Eastwood films, wrote this. Anger is a killing thing. It kills the man who angers. For each rage leaves him less than he had been before. It takes something from him. Unspoken anger also steals from you. It steals from the first people around you, and it steals from you. It destroys, and that's exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy knows that anger is designed to destroy the enemy, and so the enemy is going to take the tool of anger, and instead of you pointing it at the enemy, pointing it at the problem, pointing it at the, the, the thing that has got a foothold in your family that's evil, instead of you using the anger about the evil, it'll make you, the enemy wants you to use the anger at yourself or at the people that God has called you to love. 
Our enemy is not against flesh and blood, but the powers and principalities of hell. Amen? Amen. So then Paul then shows us how to build rather than make others pay. Verse 29. So do not let any... Read this with me. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Don't use your anger to tear others down. Right? That's pretty straightforward. Now, here's the important part. It's it's important that you actually vent and talk to your friends. Okay? If someone is making you mad in your life, you need someone to talk about that. It's disorienting. It's confusing. You don't know how to do it right. And so trusted friends are there to help you get through your feelings. But when we vent and process, right... The point of venting and processing is so that we don't burn others with our anger. Does that make sense? When we vent and process about someone who's hurt us, it's not to tear them down. It's so that when we interact with them, we can be loving and kind. So say that to your friends when you're venting. This is not gossip. I need help processing this. I'm struggling. I don't know how to handle this. I don't want to destroy them. I want to bless them but help me through this. Does that make sense? So if we're connecting the dots so far, Paul says, number one, stop pretending that things aren't off in your family. Cast off the falsehood and actually talk about what's going on. Express anger without making people pay. Use your anger to stop evil rather than to harm others. Use your anger to protect and build other people up not tear other people down. The most powerful moments I've had in my friendships over the past couple of months have been when I've seen my friends get angry over how I've been treated. You ever had that experience? You say, hey, this happened, and your friends get mad for you. And you're like, well, I didn't know I was hurt that bad. In that moment, it's, it was, it's been life-changing for me because I can see that they're not making anybody pay with their anger. They're just angry about how I've been hurt, and now I'm being built up. Now I'm reminded of my worth. Now I'm reminded of my value. I never knew that anger could be used for actually something good. Anger to me was always just, just don't do it, never have it, never even talk about it. Never to allow it in your home. It's just evil and destroy. And that's not God's design for anger. See, if you don't talk, if you pretend everything's fine, if you, if you just reinforce the dysfunction that only one person gets to have anger in your household at a time, then we, and if we use anger to, to wound and make others pay, there's one person that we wound that we're not quite expecting. And that's God the Holy Spirit. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All these verses are connected. How we use our anger matters. If you're angry all the time and making other people pay, if you're, or if you're never expressing or talking about your anger outwardly, then the only person that you're going to make you pay is yourself. Remember, the emotion will be there until it's exhausted, until it comes out. And you can, you can do that in a healthy way or you can do it in an unhealthy way. The unhealthy way is you make another person pay or you make yourself pay. 
I'm really good at making me pay. Expert, doctorate. <laughs> Skill I never wanted to have, but I do. Why is the Holy Spirit grieved and saddened and hurt? Why does Paul say do not grieve the Holy Spirit? Why does he say that? Because we're sealed with him, right? So the Holy Spirit's in us. The Holy Spirit's never going to leave us, never going to abandon us. The Holy Spirit's with us. So the Holy Spirit is bonded, united, attached to me, and I'm destroying me. How does the Holy Spirit feel? Grief. That's why Paul then says, hey, how about we get rid of these explosive devices in your emotional tool belt? Are you ready? Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger. Bitterness is making them pay by rehearsing their faults and failures, and it only poisons you. What's rage? Rage is making them pay by using anger as an explosive emotional device when you yell and scream at them. Anger now isn't protecting, now it's burning and poisoning. Brawling. Brawling is just anger turned to violence. It's just when you punch them straight in the throat because you're done. Slander. What's that? That's making their reputation pay. Oh, I'm going to slice them in half with this online comment. You don't have to say it out loud anymore. This is brilliant. I'll just go in the comment section. I'll just fire back a Facebook post. Right? I'll just send a self-righteous email. Malice. What's malice? That's plotting to make them pay financially. That's wrecking opportunities that they have in the future. It's actively working to destroy them. Why does all of this grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, how's the Holy Spirit treat you when you mess up? Bitterness, rage, brawling, malice. How does the Holy Spirit treat you when you mess up? Yeah, the Holy Spirit doesn't rage at you when you fail. The Holy Spirit doesn't withhold love and affection and help because you messed up. Nah, no more blessing in your life. Nope, done. It's only going to be sorrow and death. Right? The Holy Spirit is kind, compassionate, forgiving, always working towards your best. If you wanted to live with the spiritual entity in your life that would destroy you and wreck you and, 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 and make you pay all the time, that's called a demon. Yes. That's for sure. So you don't get rid of rage and anger and bitterness with more rage and anger and bitterness. You get rid of it with love. love. That's why the goodness of God, the goodness of God displaces all that the enemy has taken. That's why when we tell the enemy to leave, we're actually saying, now what do I want good in? What am I going to take back? See, when the enemy makes me afraid, it's not just taking my courage, it's also taking my faith. It's not just making me afraid, it's, it's taking something that's important to me. And so we take back what the enemy has taken. When hell, people are in captivity, it's not just that they're in captivity, that we want to set them free from captivity. We want to also restore every single good thing that all that the enemy has taken from their lives. 
That's God's plan for you. That's what the Holy Spirit does with you every single moment of your day. In him, you live and breathe and have your being. The Holy Spirit's trying to love you when you mess up. And I'm like, nah, let me just stab myself some more and I'll feel better. The Holy Spirit's trying to be kind and gracious to me when I fail. No, I'm just going to rage against me, and that'll make me better. It won't. And it's the hardest thing for me. It's the hardest. Like, I've been learning this for the past year, and it's just broken me to not hate myself when I fail, to not destroy myself when I've messed up or not been enough or I've not done what I've told that I would do. I know you know what this feels like. I know that you would never destroy your little child because they messed up. But when we speak to our own little kid in us, we just are so mean sometimes. And the Holy Spirit's saying, let's do love instead. So then Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. just like Jesus does for you. Here's what's crazy about kindness. Kindness is not, oh. <laughs> it's not kindness. Kindness is not like, bless your heart, but I hate your guts. It's not kindness. It's not kindness. Kindness is not this like, like, Kind of like, you know, it's, oh gosh, what's the analogy that won't offend anybody? Um, <laughs> kindness is not weak. Kindness is not um, uh, impotent. Kindness is not, oh, that's nice. Kindness is one of the most powerful tools that you will ever have because kindness literally looks like every single thing that Paul just put together in this whole passage. Kindness is speaking the truth in love. Kindness is saying, I'm angry, but I'm not gonna make you pay. Kindness is, instead of tearing you down, I'm gonna build you up. Kindness is having mercy and forgiving even when they've hurt you. That is kindness. Kindness requires all of your manhood. It requires all of your womanhood. It requires you to put your big bro camp panties on and your big boy pants on, and it requires you to look straight into the teeth in this awful maw of all of the evil coming at us from our own family and from the world, and it asks us to do something different that it is the passionate love of Jesus Christ for you in the middle of all your rebellion, that you would learn to receive that and surrender and let your ego die and let your revenge die and let your, 
let your, yourself die and say, I'm going to respond to evil with kindness. And kindness is nothing short than the living, breathing presence of God through my words and my actions. It is not ignoring evil. It is saying, that's not okay. And I'm not going to That thing that's not okay, I'm not going to kill you because of it. I'm not going to make you pay because of it. I'm going to love you with compassion in the middle of it. And that is mind-blowingly powerful. And that's what Jesus does for you. He looks at you and all your sin and he says, I'll pay. I'll pay for you. I'll pay for you. I'll pay for you. I'll love you. I'll be compassionate for you. I'll die for you. That's what I'll do for you because I want you. So do you want to receive God's kindness and compassion so that you can give it away to yourself and to others? You want to transform how you've done family and it is never too late to start. Oh, I break that lie in the name of Jesus. I don't care how old you are or how young you are, it is never too late. I don't care what damage has been done because of anger in your home, you can change this right now, if you want. And so here's the prayer, if you wanna pray with me. And then after this, we're gonna receive communion, and we're gonna sing the first Noel, so just prepare to get wrecked, right? (laughs) And if you're online, just, you know, Get the communion supplies here. You can press pause. I'm sorry. You got Kleenex better than these beautiful souls do, but you're going to receive the kindness of God in this meal. This fellowship with you will never be broken because of how you've been hurt or because of how you've hurt others. He wants you. He's yours. So you want to pray with me? Okay, let's pray together. It goes like this. Now, let, wait, let, let me read it for you just so you know what you're getting into. I want to invite the worship team back up, and I want to invite our deacons up who are, are serving. So let me just read this so you know what you're getting into. Jesus said, use my anger to make myself and others pay. Forgive me for misusing anger. Deliver me from the hate and anger that steals and destroys. Jesus, I receive your kindness and forgiveness. Thank you for loving me even when I was your enemy. I need you to give me the kindness and forgiveness for those who hurt me. I don't have it in myself. Jesus, I want my legacy to be loved. You want to pray that? Yes. Now let's pray. Jesus, I've used my anger to make myself and others pay. Forgive me for misusing anger. Deliver me from the hate and anger that steals and destroys. Jesus, I receive your kindness and forgiveness. Thank you for loving me even when I was your enemy. I need you to give me the kindness and forgiveness for those who hurt me. I don't have it in myself. Jesus, I want my legacy to be loved. On the night that Jesus was betrayed after giving thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup. It's that third promise in the Seder meal. And the cup is that I will redeem you with an outstretched arms and mighty acts of judgment. And the judgment isn't on us. It's on him. And he says, so this cup now 
is in my blood. I'll pay for you. So when you eat and when you drink, you're saying, Jesus, I receive your payment for my sake. Receive his love. Receive his kindness. We have something to give away. Amen? So we're going to, the ushers are going to dismiss you by sections. So if you can, carefully peel open the top of this communion cup without spilling on yourself, your floor, or your neighbor. The kindness and compassion of God never ends. It's new every morning. He's never tired of you. He's never over you. He always chooses you. You are wanted and loved right now, just as you are doesn't matter how angry you are. He loves you and wants you. Would you receive now the kindness of Jesus for you? God bless and seal all these good things in our heart. I pray against the enemy's plans to steal any good thing that you've done in us today. Bless my friends. Thank you that we get amazing Christmas music next week from Matt's band. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you that this week we get to celebrate uh, with a Christmas dinner together. I just pray protection upon every one of my friends here today, and I pray for joy and love for each one of them. And all God's people said, Amen. bless you guys. Go in peace. We got great food for you. Have a great day. If you want prayer, you can come forward. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.